You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. Today I'm talking with Megan, the founder behind the lifestyle blog, Shades of Pink. I loved getting to know Megan more and finding out why she started blogging, how she took it to the next level, and what's next for this fashionable new mama. But before we get into the interview, let's talk wine. One of my favorite things is I love learning all about wine, how it's made, and trying new wines. So I'm sharing one of my favorites with you, Wines Till Sold Out, aka WTSL. They are a pioneer of the flash sale wine marketplace and just celebrated their 15-year anniversary, so you know that they can be trusted. They have high-quality wines with prices 30 to 70% off retail, and they deliver right to your door. It's so convenient. I personally have shopped them for years and always find something amazing. Plus, I love their fun virtual tasting classes and suggested pairings. Their site is super interactive and fun. There's something for everyone, though, no matter if you're just new to this whole wine industry or you nerd out on it like I do. Now is the time to stock up before the holidays and entertaining, even finding the perfect gift for everyone. There's no membership fees or subscriptions, just access to a variety of wines rotating daily. It's seriously perfect. If you use code PREPPY at checkout, you'll get $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more plus free shipping. Head to WTSO.com to start your wine journey with me and wine still sold out. So remember, that's used code PREPPY at checkout at WTSO.com. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Sure. So my name is Megan Pinkney Rutherford. I just got married um, last December, coming up on my one-year anniversary now. So it's still fun saying my full new name. Um, At any rate, I am based in South Carolina. I split my time between Columbia Um, which is where I live with my husband, and Charleston, which is my hometown. It's where I grew up. Um, And I am a digital content producer, which is a newer career path um, and something that I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed exploring and getting to do. Um, But I started off as a blogger. Yeah. And um, I have been able to kind of transition with the industry. So it's been really, really exciting. That's awesome. And you're a new mom. (laughs) I am. am. You may hear him cry while we chat because I'm feeding him, but I am. He's about to do it all. (laughs) (laughs) So now tell me about growing up. Like, were you always into fashion and creative or what was it like growing up then in Charleston? So I grew up as an only child, um, which meant I spent a lot of time alone. And I usually joke and say that like playing board games by yourself is not fun. Um, So I kind of had to be creative growing up because I kind of had to busy myself um, and keep my, you know, keep myself entertained, um, which was never really an issue. I enjoyed, um, I would hang out. When I hung out with friends, we would, you know, it was always like a lot of like 
imagine like playing like imaginary whatever like whether it was like imaginary like house with like dolls or if it was like a school with like me as a teacher or I mean just like making music videos I feel like I've always had like a creative bone in my body um Mm -hmm. I also grew up as a um or I was classically trained as a ballerina and I think that anyone who um grows up in the arts appreciates the arts spends any time with the arts um has to thrive off of creativity because that's kind of what it is um but I've been a lover of fashion for my entire life I remember I would like sit in my room and um just cut things out of magazines and create collages if you walked into my room growing up my door was covered in magazine clippings um from Vogue magazines because I started reading Vogue when I was in the sixth grade I remember my very first issue and um from then on, I wanted to be a writer for the magazine. That was what I wanted to do. That was my life's goal from like sixth grade until college. I love that. And I also love that you're an only child like myself. So I get it. (laughs) Yeah, you know how it is trying to entertain yourself, right? For sure. We would have gotten along great as kids. (laughs) So now when it came time for college, where and what did you end up studying and where'd you go? Like, did you end up studying journalism then? So I attended the University of South Carolina, which is how I ended up in Columbia. Um, I kind of stuck around afterwards. And yeah, I started out in the print journalism program, which sounds so funny to me now because I haven't been out of school for that long, just (laughs) under 10 years. And that program no longer exists. Oh my gosh. Print journalism does not exist um, as a form of study anymore. There are other journalism programs obviously but print journalism is not one of them I did not know that that's crazy yeah and like I said I was so gung-ho on this idea of writing for Vogue that like that was the path that I saw I wanted to do print journalism because to me it just made sense if I'm gonna write for a magazine then I need to do print journalism Mm -hmm. well my freshman year in college I was crowned Miss South Carolina Teen USA um which was such an amazing experience and helped prepare me for what I'm doing right now to be completely honest um but it was just a fun year of like discovering myself giving back to my community and preparing for the Miss Teen USA pageant and if I'm being completely honest with you that freshman year was not really about school so I took um my introduction um my my introduction introductory classes to journalism Mm -hmm. and had to repeat one class twice fall semester and spring semester and did not pass spring semester either so my print journalism school was like all right well it's been fun but you didn't have (laughs) classes so you gotta go and I was like you don't I was so devastated because like I said I'd had this dream for so long and that was the only way that I saw it happening and I didn't know what to do next because I didn't have a backup plan like mm-hmm. journalism was all that it was you know all that it was um so I didn't know what to do I needed to find a new program stat <laughs> like I needed to figure out because I needed to stay in school um, so I needed to find a new college and in the same building at the time it's now changed at USC um but 
the journalism and communications college was in the same building as um, the hospitality and retail school. Okay. I ended up in the fashion merchandising like realm of school, which was never my plan. I (laughs) just wasn't. And I was so shocked when I ended up there, even though, like I said, I love fashion. I felt like I'd been a student of fashion because I'd studied, like I said, I'd studied Vogue from cover to cover for years at that. Um, So I knew designers, I knew creative directors, I knew um, who was working at the magazine, who was doing the CFDA, who was doing just all different parts of the industry, but I never thought to enter in that way. And to be completely honest, I was a little nervous at first because my goal was not to be in retail. I didn't want to own a store. I didn't want to manage a store. And I was afraid that that program would force me into that um, pocket of the industry and just wasn't what I wanted. But um, I, I moved forward with it. And I'm so thankful that I did because it ended up being such a great program with amazing professors who took me to Europe for the very first time when I studied abroad. Um, and it really gave me a deeper understanding of the industry. I thought that I understood it. And it mm-hmm. really just like gave me this um, depth that I didn't even know I was missing. Yeah. It's so funny because while um, I did not move into the retailing sector, I feel like a lot of what I learned during that time has helped me with my blog and my, um, just as a brand. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's almost as if like my brand is a digital store in a very Mm -hmm. different way. Of course, I'm able to apply those concepts from like a traditional brick and mortar store into what my, like you said, what my brand is and where the world is today, because it's just so crazy how in such a short period of time, like what I do right now didn't even exist when I was in college, let alone high school. Definitely. It's so funny. So I am very similar to that. I um, did communications PR. I majored in that. And I have always loved fashion, though. So I was like, oh, I'll just minor in fashion because I love fashion, but like, I don't want to own a store. I don't want to work retail. I don't want to do any of that. And I just thought, I don't know, for some reason, the degree to me seemed like fluffy and had no depth. I don't know, like, which is so yeah. silly. But no, then I say it some I, like for the at the beginning, like when I first graduated, I was almost embarrassed to say it. Yeah. To me, it sounded as if it sounded very like legally blonde. You know? Yes. <laughs> oh, I have a fashion merchandising degree. And they're like, oh, that's cute. So you got taught how to like ring a cash register. And it's like, it's so much deeper than that, because there's visual merchandising, there's, you know, global there's, There's buying, which is so hard, and all numbers. Like, all numbers. Yes. Yeah. So I ended up getting a degree in both. So I have fashion and communications, um, but that's really funny. And actually, Will, my boyfriend, he went to University of South Carolina. So go Gamecocks. <laughs> Uh, so now you have this degree. Um, now, what did you end up doing? Like, what was your first career? So funny enough, I didn't use my degree at first. <laughs> I like I have mentioned several times, I had every intention of going to New York and go, you know writing for Vogue. Yeah, um, and I never made it to New York. I really didn't. And when I was getting this degree, I was like, okay, it's fine. It's you know a detour in the plan. And in South Carolina, a fashion merchandising degree doesn't carry a lot of weight. That we 
could probably all agree on that. In New York City, it's a completely different degree because the industry there is different. There are way more opportunities. It's something that people really appreciate and understand. So I had every intention of moving to um, New York and had this one really awesome opportunity right at the end of college that fell through. And because it fell through, I it delayed my plans so far that like I I never ended up I never made it there. Um, and I got really nervous because like I said, things just like I kept running into like these opportunities that were really amazing and like really worthwhile and worth the wait. And then I would wait and they would fall through. So I kind of got like honestly stuck in South Carolina because I never saw myself staying here. That was never the plan. Okay. Um, but right after school to like make money, I was modeling. I was freelance. I was a freelance model um, and made like a decent living. I wasn't going to pay off my college tuition with it, but I was like, you know, making it month to month and like a home and I was hanging out with friends. So I was content. I was happy um, and did that for quite some time. And during that time is when I started my blog. Um, and my first like real career, like, in the office job was in Charleston. Um, I moved back for a short period of time and I worked at a marketing agency. And that's when I got the first, that was when I first got the title of digital content producer. I'd never really heard that term before. Okay. Um, and at the time I was just creating, con- I was creating content, mostly social media content for our clients. And that job truly changed my life because up until that point my blog had been a hobby and one that had been semi-lucrative financially very Mm -hmm. lucrative in experience and um gifts Mm -hmm. but from that job from that point on because I what because my position allowed me to approach the industry from the other side and mm-hmm. I was social influencers, I got a completely different understanding of that role. And it allowed me to take myself more seriously. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to take the that industry more seriously. It showed me what I was doing wrong and it helped me take shades of pink from a hobby to an actual brand and a business and what it is today. Oh, so cool. So now like how, when you, when you figured out that you could make this into a business, essentially, like turn this into a business and a brand, this blog that you had as a hobby, what were some of the first steps to like taking it to that next level? Like, was it just, you know, having a media kit made now, or was it upping like your website design, how that was like, talk to me about some of the, the steps when you really were diving in now. So the very first change like I said, was that I took it seriously. I understood the value that an influencer has for a brand and how having an audience for that product is very beneficial for that other brand. I, I, and like, it sounds so silly now saying that out loud because like, of course my audience would be of course my audience would be beneficial to another brand. But at that time, because it was so new, brands didn't really know how to approach it 
or mm-hmm. if they should approach it, especially in South Carolina, because this is not LA, this is not New York. And yeah. we are a, a bit behind the curve just because um, our, our experiences are different. So of course it's going to, you know, it's going to be different. So that was the first thing is just like really understanding what my services provided for a brand. And the biggest like change, or I guess the biggest benefit I saw was that when I would have to do, when I would have to create that content for these clients, I would need a whole team. I would need a location. I would need a photographer. I would need models. I would need somebody pulling wardrobe. I would need somebody um, doing their hair and makeup. I would need somebody to edit those photos. I would need all these things. And when I worked with an influencer, they did that. They did all that for me. So mm-hmm. instead of having to hire 14 people, I hired one. Yes. And it made the entire process so much easier for me. So from there, yes, I was able to establish a media kit for the first time because I did not have one. I was able to not feel bad about what I charge a brand because I would like have these like numbers in my head before and I would say, okay, let's start here. And they would lowball me completely. I mean like 10% of what I gave them. And I would just be like, okay, because I mean, at the end of the day, a hundred dollars is still a hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's like, okay, I really want to work with this brand. I want to attach myself to this brand. So sure. I'll bucks to do all this work. And when I saw like, what that would come out to in a different format. I was like, oh my God, I've been selling myself so short. So it was really just taking it um, and applying, like you said, like a business mindset to it and not just like a hobby mindset. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. So now how have you grown your following then too? I mean, that's one of the first things from the brand side that we look for. So like what, for people listening who want to start a blog or have a blog, like what were some of the tips or like advice that you have on growing your following, connecting with others, like getting a readership base? Like talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I will be completely honest. My first um, influx of followers came in 2013 when I competed at Miss USA as Miss South Carolina okay. USA. Um, at that time, Instagram was still very, very new. In fact, mm-hmm. I, at that time, my personal Instagram was my title holder Instagram, which is unheard okay. of these days. Everybody has to, because the organization controls the title holder account and you have your personal account but at the time Instagram was so new that like they they didn't have control over they didn't have a a title holder account okay Um, and when I competed we were live on NBC so we it was a very large audience Mm -hmm. and um I was on stage a couple times that night and my name would pop up on the crowd you know at the bottom of the screen and I guess if people were interested in me if they liked me if they were rooting for me whatever they would search me on Instagram and that night I got an influx of followers um and I laugh with the girls now I'm like you guys don't even know how easy you have it because now when they compete it gives their handle (laughs) (laughs) had to work to find me they had to type in my whole name and spell Pinkney correctly if they wanted to find me now give their Instagram handle um at any rate so that was how I got my first influx of followers um, but I quit, you know, after the pageant, I saw a lot of them leave and that was how I started my blog because I w- was like, okay, 
I have this audience, but I'm not doing anything with it. And they're getting bored with me to be <laughs> because I'm no longer a title holder and I'm not giving them anything. And yeah. that's how the blog began. Um, and just being consistent with the blog. And when I got more consistent on Instagram, because I would post every few days, maybe, and it would be like what I was doing in that moment, but nothing was scheduled. Nothing was um, really thought through. Okay. So when I applied um, some planning to my feed in general, I realized that helped increase my following. Um, and really tried to become a resource, not just a diary, because I mm-hmm. think that that's how it started out. Okay. Being a diary, like, this is what I did this weekend. This is what I'm doing this weekend. Blah, 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 blah. This is what I wore here. And instead, it's now, now it's this is what you can do this weekend. Or here are things, here are options or places to go. So really just being a resource for my, um, for my... Your followers. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then also, it sounds so silly, but hashtags really do help people find you. I, like, never wanted to be that, like, girl who used, like, cluster hashtags. <laughs> and now I totally do because I have seen a difference. And then um, partnering with other bloggers. Yeah. And creating a community so that I could get in front of their audience and be seen by people who would not normally see me. Um, Those were some ways that I was able to really increase my audience. Yeah. I mean, well, so going off of that, like, let's talk about collaborations and, you know, why they're so important, whether it's with brands, like partnering with the the right brands and sharing their products or you know, their business or services, or even like you just mentioned, like collaborating with other bloggers. Um, How has that benefited you? Or like, what were some of your favorites or some successful collaborations that people could learn from? I mean, I'll be honest, all of my collaborations are my favorite collaborations. because (laughs) It so blows my mind that like brands want to work with me, that they believe in my voice, that they believe in my brand. Um, and that they value my audience enough to want to partner with me. And that's anyone from, you know, a big box brand like Crest to a small local boutique who's only been open for a month. Like it, mm-hmm. it really does mean so much. Um, but it's, it is important first and foremost to be seen, um, like we just mentioned, being able to broaden your audience and be discoverable um, is invaluable. Like it's something that you literally can't pay for. Um, But also because I work from home, from an at-home office, um, and I do have an assistant who is fabulous, who I see three times a week, if not more, um, it can be a very lonely career. So being able to work with other brands or other influencers allows you to build a network and to not feel so alone um, when you're just sitting behind a computer for 10 hours a day. Um, So I think that that's very beneficial because I just think that human beings as creatures, we need connection. We need um, relationships. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculously beneficial um but also 
like I've said, I live in South Carolina, a very small state with not a ton of opportunity. And to be able to connect with people all over the world, um, but especially in bigger cities that I would not normally have access to is, um, is really exciting. Yeah. So on the, the flip side to that, you know, it sounds like one of your favorite parts is obviously connecting with people and being in this fashion world and all. What's your least favorite part about, you know, being a full-time influencer, would you say? Like, what's the hardest or your least favorite part? Hmm. When it comes to actual collaborations, I think it would be that a lot of times you have to submit content ahead of time for it to go live, which, I mean, I totally understand if a brand is paying me to promote their product and obviously they want to ensure that my my messaging is key that i'm you know i'm i'm satisfying their needs but the reason why i hate that is because i really like to i really like for the for my promotions to feel very authentic and real life Mm-hmm. And I want it to seem effortless in my day-to-day use, not so advertising, but that's really hard when you have to submit several days before going live because I don't yeah. necessarily know what I'm doing a few days <laughs> from then. Um, so I do wish that I could just, I guess, be trusted and be given free reign and to just yeah. do what I want to do. But like I said, I obviously understand why that's yeah. I mean, I could see how that's hard because it's like you want everything to come off natural and, um, you know, like in the moment when it actually isn't, but that's what everyone's trying to portray, you know? So I could see how it's kind of hard to balance those two together. Exactly. So what's one tip you would say to someone wanting to get into blogging or influencing? Like what's one piece of advice that like you wish you knew when you started? Okay. I would say do it, which sounds so simple and so silly, but I'm telling you, like it, if it's something that you are even just semi interested in, just start it because you're not going to be great at it at first. You're not going to have an audience at first. I can't tell you how long I was writing blog posts just for my mom to read. Um, (laughs) It's interesting because one day you blink and that hard work that you put in, if you're consistent, if you're creating content, that is interesting and worthy of people's attention, the audience will come. And my biggest regret is that I did not start earlier. I created my blog in January of 2014. And back in 2011, I had a friend tell me that I should start a blog. And I laughed at him in his face. I was like, you're insane. (laughs) Because at that time, bloggers were really just girls who lived in LA or New York who weren't models, who weren't like actresses, but were still very much a part of the industry, whether yeah. that's PR or they worked with a major brand or whatever, they still very much had their hand in the industry. And I did it. And I was, no one's going to care about what I'm doing in South Carolina or what um, my opinion is or any of that stuff. 
And it's funny because now I think that that's really one of my secret weapons because I think that people are able to connect with me in a different way than they could connect with those people because my life is much more similar to theirs. And when I'm going to a restaurant, it's a restaurant that they could actually go to (laughs) Um, and not just dream about because they don't live in LA or New York. Um, So it's one of those things that to me started like, was a disadvantage that in many ways has become an advantage. And I just couldn't imagine where my brain would be if it started three years earlier. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, that's one of my biggest regrets too, is I, you know, my PR business is my full-time thing and I have a blog more as a business strategy for my PR company. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had a blog back in college actually Mm -hmm. with my local newspaper and I just like stopped it though because I was like, "Eh." you know, like you said, it's just like my mom reading it and like, it's not going anywhere. But I'm like, oh darn, had I like stuck with that, like things would have been so much easier these days. Yes, yes. Because I just feel like there was a point where people started being really interested in bloggers and there were only a handful. And mm-hmm. I just could you imagine if you were one of those girls, if you were part of that? Exactly. Handful? Cause it's so much harder to gain followers these days than back in those days, you know, oh. it was so much easier to grow oh. and actually like followers that care and like read your blog and your captions. Now I feel like it's, you know, sometimes people just like for the picture. You know, I completely agree with you, but I will say that that should not deter people from starting. For sure. Yeah. Because I like no one ever sends me an email like, oh my gosh, I saw that you went from 42,000 followers to 45,000 followers. And now that you're there, we really want to work with you. It's Those are not the emails. It's really like, we like your content. We like what you're creating. We like the audience. We like, you know, how you connect to your audience. And this is how we want to work with you. And it's like, whether you have a million followers, 40,000 followers, or 5,000 followers, as long as you have a group of people that are interested in what you say and that trust what you say, you'll be successful. Exactly. And I do think now it's a little bit more accepted and by, you know, just people in the wild, you know, I think taking pictures out in public or, you know, vlogging, like that's all a little bit more acceptable than how it used to be. And even just now it's built into, you know, my PR firm and lots of other marketing agencies, like part of their like marketing plan for clients as influencers. So in a way, you know, there's more opportunities because it's more of an accepted um, form of advertisement these days, you know. thousand percent. Even, um, you know, three, four years ago when, like I said, I started turning it into a brand, people were still very confused as to what it was that I do. I mean, my, honestly, my grandparents still ask me every single time. (laughs) My grandfather's like, tell me what it is that you do again. Cause he can't wrap his mind around it. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. Like, and that's another change that I have seen in the industry and why my brand has been able to grow more because our industry is, has been, or has become much more respected than it was two years ago. And I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that because so, so many people were on their phones, were on the internet and, um, brands needed more outlets to market Mm -hmm. their products digitally. And I think that they, that brands that would have never, or would have taken a few more years to, the value of influencers mm-hmm. had to find that out very quickly. Definitely. 
Now, I have some fun questions to ask you next. So what are some of your favorite like small businesses and brands to shop, would you say? Ooh, okay. Um, I just got a bag from Neely and Chloe. They're these two sisters um, that started their company in New York. Um, and they were just like super classic bags of great quality, um, at a great price point that I'm really in love with. So, and that's something that literally just came in the mail like a couple of days ago. So that would be one. Um, what's another, um, small business. I love Neely and Chloe. They're actually from the area here in Philadelphia um too and it's funny I just interviewed someone else on the podcast and they mentioned Neil and Chloe oh, so <laughs> okay, well, everyone's seeing Neil and Chloe very on trend right now Check mm-hmm. um <laughs> what's another one? Oh, um oh my god this is also a new, a new York brand it's made in NYC yeah yeah I love their I, I have like this jacket by them that I'm obsessed with um what is it one third they also do jackets Mm-hmm. And um, they're amazing. Um, I'm starting to get into baby brands now. Oh, yeah. Because I have a little one. Um, the Beaufort Bonnet Company. I'm yeah. such a fan of their cute um, traditional pieces. I also really love, um, what's the name of it? Um, I'm blinking. <laughs> no worries I'm blinking so what I know you guys do a ton of traveling um what's one of your favorite places to travel to or where can you not wait to travel to again like you know once the holidays are over like COVID safe all of that well we I like I said we um are celebrating our one year anniversary in December and we're trying to decide where we want to go and I really want to go to Paris because I love Paris so much. So I'm really pushing for Paris. Um, We'll see if that happens. I'm not sure. I also really miss New York City, though. I haven't been Mm -hmm. since February of 2020. So I'm hoping that that we'll get back up there this December. I usually go like once a quarter. So it feels really weird to not have been in a really long time. Yeah. But we always go try and see the lights you know, yep. around the city during Christmas time. So we're going to go this year. Um, and I don't know, we have to figure out where we're going to take our babe. It's where mm-hmm. he's start traveling. Um, but yeah. That's so fun. So now, since this is the Preppy Podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? Like, how would you describe it in these modern times? What is Preppy to you? Preppy to me is very classic clean cut style Mm -hmm. that is either ultra feminine or ultra masculine, depending Mm -hmm. on who's wearing it, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And just pieces that you could pull out of your closet this decade, the next decade, the previous decade, whenever. It's just very classic style. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like your husband has like like a classic preppy, like when he wears the suits or from the pictures I've seen at least, you know? Right. He wears a lot of um, suits, obviously for work, but then a lot of sport coats and a lot of um, collared shirts. So I agree. I think that he has his little preppy twist. Yeah. And I mean, I like to think that I have like six styles in one and one. No. And yeah, you definitely have some preppiness. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. So the holidays are coming up. What's like, 
one holiday tradition that you love or like something you can't wait for this holiday, especially now that you have a little one and you're celebrating your anniversary? Like what's something you're looking forward to at the holidays? One thing that I'm really, really excited about this Christmas is doing matching holiday pajamas with everyone. <laughs> I started, um, we started this a couple years ago with my stepsons and my husband and um, like his mom. But this year the baby gets to be included. I've already purchased our set. So I'll be in the same ones. And that's just really exciting. But it's also like kind of challenging finding the perfect pair of pajamas because it's all boys. I'm the only girl. So oh. to find a pair that like everybody likes and obviously I have to like them the most because <laughs> I want I mean I I need to like what I'm wearing but yeah. even more challenging because I had to make sure that it that it came in an infant size so oh my gosh it was challenging but we found it um I've heard even though it's just hard finding like holiday pe- like they're all sold out and like there's just a hard time with them right now too and that's why I did it like weeks ago because I knew that was going to happen. So I was like, no, we need too many different sizes. Like I'm going to make sure we have it. Um, and then also we do like a gingerbread building contest. So Aww. the baby won't be able to participate in that, but I'm ex- I'm so excited for that to happen. That's so fun. So now what's next for you? Like any sneak peeks or anything you're working on that you're excited about? So actually, my brand is working on something really exciting, and you're the first person that I really told this to. So, um, but my assistant and I have been working on creating a um, quarterly magazine for Shades of Pink. So really excited about that. And I know it's kind of just like full circle because, like I told you, that was always my dream to work for Vogue. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I do love my brand because I feel as if my blog kind of is a mini publication. Mm -hmm. Um, so to kind of develop that into something more strategic and, um, more like just planned out. I'm really, that's awesome. So when about will you launch the first issue? We though? are hoping at the beginning of 2022, fingers okay. crossed. But we, I came up with this idea at the beginning of the year and then three months later found out I was having a baby. <laughs> so that has changed a little bit. Um, but that that is definitely the the goal for right now. We're hoping to see that happen. That's amazing. I look forward to seeing that. Thank you. So my final question is where can everyone find you? Like let everyone know your Instagram handle, your website URL. That way they can follow along. They can shop what you recommend, all of that good stuff. Absolutely. I would love that. You guys can find me on Instagram at Shades of Pink. And pink is spelled P-I-N-C-K, like my maiden last name. Um, And you can also find me online at shadesofpink.com. And again, that's P-I-N-C-K. Awesome. Well, thank you, Megan. This was so fun. It was. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 